How you how how you fellas doing? Tired. We're cooking. Cooking. Yeah, tired. Tired, tired. tired of been, cooking? Heat's been crazy for over a week. Yeah. Yeah, we had our own little heat. We're not used to like thirty seven degree heat. I don't I don't understand the whole Celsius thing. Ninety eight point six. Ninety eight point six. That's the temperature of the human body. <laughs> for Vancouver, well, that's stupid too, hot. Effing <laughs> hot. We we prefer subhuman temperatures. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Hey, does Brian, does her sound sound a little off to you? Speak, Liz. <clears throat> Hello there. My name is Liz hmm. Malone. I think your voice is fine. Your volume can come up a little bit, I think. Am I sitting too far? Yeah, okay, that's it. That's better. Yeah, is that yeah, better? Yeah. That was okay. totally what it was. Yeah, you were just a little bit farther away from the mic than usual. Was I having a proximity yep. distance issue? Yep. Getting close. Okay. Make love to the microphone. <laughs> oh, jeez. Here we go. Welcome back. AT banter <laughs> after dark. It's always after dark around here. Recording in progress. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Uh, this is, of course, the <laughs> podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minow, and joining me today, Liz Malone is back. And she got top billing. All kinds of glitter, 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 glitter bomb, glitter, glitter bomb, and glitter spangles, bomb. glitter and spangles. <laughs> and uh, of course, as you can hear as well, joining us as well is Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hello again. I think that's one of my favorite parts of doing this show is when Steve Barkley isn't here. We leave that lull and then we just do the cowbell sound. You guys giggle. I love it. It's great yeah i yeah it, it is funny but uh it also throws me off <laughs> me and then... we lived we, we we lived to throw you off rob yeah i know to get on your toes yes my toes are very tired um <laughs> uh where are we uh hey oh yeah welcome back incidentally how Thank was your you. uh how's your vacation uh oh yeah san francisco and tahoe amazing yeah wonderful i'm a little broke because i lost a little money i left a little money at the casino in tahoe uh-huh but do they uh is, is is that a big gambling community like is that close to vegas i don't, I don't really know anything about lake tahoe i hear about it all the time but yeah so it, i mean it's 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 very high up in terms of altitude it's like up in the mountains and there's this magnificent lake lake tahoe um just breathtaking but it, the city of Tahoe is split between California and Nevada. And I think, I think there's, I, I probably said Nevada wrong. I'm sure people are going to get mad at me. That's okay. Um, right where the line is, I would say like two feet on the Nevada side. That's where the first casino is. Because you know, you can't... <laughs> so you have to, that, that's how you know which, which side of this, which state you're in. Right. Where it's legal yeah. to gamble or where it's not. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. And like, uh, 
what uh and and you went to san francisco how, how was that oh san francisco is such a beautiful city it is there's so much to do i mean went to a giants game went to san francisco symphony uh went to a bunch of beaches i know my life did, my life is horrible right <laughs> did you uh do that fisherman's wharf thing no no because i i've been to san francisco a bunch of times so I did not do any of like the real touristy stuff just did the real fun stuff the good stuff gotcha you know and you were and how long were you there for um eight days seven eight days something like that wow it's nice yeah and did yeah. you feel much much more rested and oh god no there was no rest <laughs> it was like moving 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 you know it's constantly just doing stuff so it wasn't it definitely wasn't restful See, sometimes vacations kind of suck about that. Mm -hmm. you, they actually don't actually get any rest. I mean, they're cool. You're doing a bunch of cool stuff, but you kind of get home more tired than when you left. And then the jet lag yeah. is, is, is just horrific. And no you know when COVID? they say when you travel west, like they say traveling west is best and traveling east is the beast. Right. So, yeah. So coming home Ugh. and having that three hours. So it was, it was a little rough goings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, it is nice to have you back. Thank you. But you guys held down the fort. Your shows were really good while I was gone. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Yeah. We, we tried. I, I, they're all a blur to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making little notes. I'm like, okay, Rob talks smack about me and this show. Okay. True. There's a little of this, a little Ryan poke there. Okay, got it. Good. Yeah. See, I told you, Ron. That's a really good memory. I know. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go back and listen because I don't remember any of that. Oh, I don't yeah. Remember any would... insults or posts. Oh, and I caught the little Rob saying, Oh, yeah, we got to be careful because Liz actually listens to the shows. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I remember that. Although you noticed that we weren't careful at all, anyways. So it's just how stupid we are. We recognize the fact that uh, we're going to get in trouble, but do it anyway. Anyways. <laughs> uh all right well that's great that's been our liz vacation update she's back she's back with a vengeance literally mm, yes uh like well all right well then who who the heck wants to tell me what we're doing today i think liz should i have the honors you do for coming do. back that's okay. right. No, I'm 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 really thrilled to introduce this week's guest. We will be joined by Mr. Bradley Blair, who is an orientation and mobility specialist, a vision rehab therapist, and an assistive technology instructor for the Metrolina Association for the Blind here in where I am anyway, Charlotte, North Carolina. And just to make all of his accomplishments even more impressive. Brad is blind and he is one of the very few blind orientation and mobility specialists in the world, probably in the world. Correct, Brad? You welcome Brad to the show, by the way. Thank you. That we know of anyway. That we know of. <laughs> you know, I was I struggled for years throughout my internships and the start of my job to actually meet blind uh, O&M so I could learn how they do things. Uh, and now that I've actually gotten to my feet and know how I do the stuff that I do, I finally met them. I'm like, where, where, where were you guys three years ago? Um, I just hadn't, I just hadn't met them yet. I had to, I had to get rolling. And now I met last one, I met one last week and now I meet one next week. So that's kind of funny. So if, if you don't mind, we're just to give people a little bit of uh, 
background about your personal story. So can you, would you mind sharing some, uh, some insights into your, your blindness? Sure. Um, so, oh, by the way, the best way to make a small fortune at a Lake Tahoe casino. Well, <laughs> I'm all ears. The best way to make a small fortune at a Lake Tahoe casino, start with a big fortune. Oh. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so I'm <laughs> lifelong blind. I never had vision at, at any point. And uh, I came to the blindness field through a roundabout way. I was, a, I was originally going to be a college professor, if you can believe that. But I chose an area of study where there were far more graduates than positions. And uh, I didn't really succeed at landing in that field. So I hit the reset button, worked at a chocolate store for a few years. That was fun, actually. And then I went back to school to get a new master's degree in this field. And I chose O&M because it was fun and it was difficult. And I chose assistive technology because it never goes away. And I chose vision, reha vision rehabilitation therapy uh, because you need all those skills too. And a lot of them now include technology. So now I do a lot of AT and a lot of O&M and a lot of everything else all over the Charlotte, uh, greater Charlotte metro area. And uh, is it difficult? Sure, but what isn't? It's fun too. Can you explain a little bit about what O&M is? Of course. So O&M, the way I like to explain it to folks who've never heard of it is travel skills. Basically travel skills. How do you cross a street without sight? You know, how do you find your way down to the building down the block without being able to see it? What, what skills are involved? And the breakdown of that is that orientation is the part of the art and science of this thing where you are dealing with knowing where you are in the environment. How do I know where I am? How do I know where things A, B, C, and D are in relation to me? Or how do I know where things are in relation to each other? Where is Metrolina in relation to the Central Coffee Company? How do I know that? And what can I do with that information? And then mobility is how am I going to get there? How do I safely walk down the steps and navigate down the block and cross the street? How do, how do I do all that safely? What methods do I use to keep from falling on my face or getting hit by a car? Or what you know, techniques do I use to make sure that I end up exactly where I'm meant to be? So I like to call it the fine art and exact science of uh, travel skills for the blind, because it is an art and with all of the inexactness and you know, trial and error that that word maybe suggests. And it is also a science. There's a great deal of science behind it. So, or as a good friend of mine once put it, um, what I teach is methods applied to common sense. That's really interesting that you say that. Um, the, the fact that it's a little bit like a science, because I'm sure that there's, there is, yes, there, there's a lot of um, very just practical tips and advice, but there's also this element of like figuring out where you are in space and what is around you. And there, there must be a little bit of a, of a science to that in sort of, you know, spatial, uh, spatial awareness and 
um, knowing, knowing where you are in your environment. Um, can you speak a little bit to that? It starts with body awareness. Uh, the fancy word for it is proprioception. How is my body arranged? Um, you know, are my feet and my nose pointing in the same direction? For some people, that is surprisingly difficult. Um, am I holding my cane correctly? You know, does the, does the feel of my body tell me that my cane hand is where it should be? Am I at the point in space where I think I am? Now, now we're talking about body to uh, object relationships. You know, am I in front of the building? Am I, am I not in front of the building? How do I know? You know, so now we get into things like echolocation. Maybe I'm uh, using my two-point touch and, and I, I hear that there is no building line here because the sound waves aren't bouncing back to me the way they should be if there was actually a building line there. So no, I know I'm definitely not in front of the building. Well, now that there is a building line, which is the correct building? Have I gone the right amount of distance? Have I found the appropriate landmarks in the environment? Did I find the second stairway on the right? Or is it the third? Because if it's the third, I'm at the wrong building. If it's the second, I'm at the right building. And how, how do I know? So yeah, it's, it's navigation, it's auditory feedback, it's uh, awareness of the human body, you know, that proprioception, um, all of it. So Brad, you being born without sight and having gone through some sort of O&M training in your own life, uh, I myself, I've had O&M training. Um, Ryan, I'm sure you've had O&M training of some sorts, yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. So. I'm just curious how much of your personal training do you apply to now how you teach? Uh, are there things that you have found that, that were taught to you a certain way that now that you are walking in the shoes um, that you do a little bit differently from some of the traditional O&M uh, techniques? Yes and no. Some of the differences are cosmetic. I teach differently than your average sighted instructor because I am not sighted. So uh, I use my other senses. I will occasionally, when I'm teaching cane skills, I will, for example, put my hand on your cane hand to see just what you're doing, or I will listen in ways that a sighted instructor doesn't have to. But those are what I like to call cosmetic differences. Um, in many ways, I was fortunate to be taught by some very, very good O&Ms. Uh, O&Ms who absolutely believed that I could and would meet the goals, whatever it was, and who were relentless in forcing me to think and problem solve and who did not spoon feed me. No, they didn't. They absolutely didn't. And on a hot Texas August afternoon when I was 10 years old, maybe I wanted them to tell me the answer. They weren't necessarily <laughs> going to. Um, so in that respect, I carry that on. In other respects, there are differences. Street crossing is harder to teach than it used to be because when I was a child, there weren't so many crazy intersections with you know, signals that are controlled by how much traffic happens to be there at the given minute and where you absolutely needed to use pedestrian signals if you wanted to survive. Uh, that was less the case in the 90s, but that is a change with the times. But I do not think that 
I would have had the confidence and daring to walk into my program and say, I am going to do this if it hadn't been for the O&M instructors I had growing up. Brian, can you speak to some of your O&M training experiences in Canada? Well, I was living in a smaller city than Vancouver at the time when I lost my sight. And so it was pretty basic for me because I wasn't working, but of course I, I needed to learn a couple of routes so I could get out of the house. And so it was getting from the apartment to the bus stop, getting on the bus, going downtown, finding a coffee shop, working my way back. Um, There's just a couple of different routes that I needed to be able to get access to get outside and, you know, start gaining some independence so that I could at some point get a job. Um, you know, Gosh, we get those? absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, at, at one point, um, you know, I did have a guide dog as well. And I'll tell you, having that guide dog may not be for everybody, but the freedom of movement, I night and day, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant with my cane. I don't like my cane. The cane gets caught in sidewalk, sidewalk cracks. The cane is just a nightmare. You get punched in the gut, um, you know, but the cane does give you information that the dog can't. Right. Let so, me know when you'd like me to come to Canada. <laughs> How's next week? <laughs> no, and it's, you know, I, I've, you know, I've had some, some really excellent orientation and mobility when I lost my sight. I've been living in Vancouver now for probably 30 plus years. And to be really honest with you, I've had no O&M since I moved here. I work from home. When I did have a, a, an employer who I had to go into, office, into the office with, they lived 10 minutes from me. They would pick me up, drive me home. Um, I have a sighted wife who drives. So I've been very fortunate or very lazy, whatever you want to call it. I'm, fi I'm fine with that. Um, if I had to get out of the house, though, I do know that I do have the cane skills that I could get to the bus stop. I could get to where I needed to go. Um, you know, Rob and I were talking earlier about our transportation system here in the city, and it's phenomenal. There really isn't a place I can't get to if I needed to. So even though I don't use my O&M skills on a daily basis, I know I still have them to fall back on. I'm a, I'm a guide dog user myself, actually. Are you? Mm -hmm. I'm on my second. Yeah, it was, it's just the flowing movement of a guide dog swerving around parking meters or cars that pull out into an alleyway, <laughs> your dog hits the brakes and backs you up and just, yeah, just, but dogs get sick. Dogs sometimes can't work. So not for everybody. I like to tell people that the biggest difference, I mean, anybody can be an excellent traveler with either tool. The difference between them is basically if I walk down the sidewalk and hit the thing or the person with <laughs> my cane, then I'm doing my job because if I've hit yeah. it with my cane, I haven't hit it with my face. Right. If I walk down the same sidewalk and never know the things were there with my dog, then again, I've done my job because I've listened to my dog. I'm not going to know what's there. Right. I'm going to miss it. It's just yeah. a different experience. Yeah. Experience. But as you say, they have that built. Well, I, I don't think O&M instructors get their fair share of credit for what, what they do for the low vision and blind community, because I, I think that people who are, who are sighted and they see somebody who's using a cane, I think that 
there's this feeling that, oh, it must be really easy that, oh, if I had to use a cane, like I could put a blindfold on, I'd be, uh, you know, that it's, that it's just this thing that you kind of flail around and you naturally, like it magically <laughs> sends these signals to your brain that you know exactly what's happening in front of you. And, you know, as you were saying, as you were alluding to that, there is, you know, a lot of there, there's, you know, some, there's a degree of science, there's, you know, um, there's, there's technique, technique yeah. a, lot, a ton of technique for sure. And the, and, and that commitment to using the, de, the using the, the the device on a regular basis, especially if you're you know in the in the in the low vision on the low vision side, because I think that a lot of times people become a little lazy or they they say, well, I'll just use it when I need it. But then I, I mean, it is sort of like if you don't use it, you lose it. That you know you need it to kind of just be an extension of your body at all times, so you can really become in tune with all those signals that you're getting from your cane. Well, I think too though. You know, not I'm totally blind myself, but if I was someone who was partially sighted, so I had enough vision that I didn't necessarily need my cane all the time, how can I expect people to know I have a vision impairment without having that symbol, that cane to identify as someone with a vision impairment, right? You may look like you've got it all together and you're strutting down the sidewalk and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, I don't know, the lighting changes and you're fumbling for a door or you trip on a step or something. So I don't know. That's it's a tough call. I know for a lot of people, but. So I agree with you. In fact, I talked to my, my clients with low vision about the useful, even if they can see the store well enough that they don't necessarily need to use the cane in that moment against having it helps them to inform the public. And the example that I use is, you know, when you don't carry the cane, how often have you asked for directions and gotten the, it's right over there, can't you see it? (laughs) But Liz, I would uh, possibly disagree with you in that, I mean, with what I think you said, maybe you meant something else, but, you know, you talk about the cane making us look like we have it together, et cetera, et cetera but there's also a lot of stigma attached to the cane. I mean, some people see a person with a long cane and like, oh, they must be helpless. Let me go do for them. Well, no, mm-hmm. we've got it together, dude. I'm good. And so I have to talk about. Oh, but no, the symbol of the disability is one thing for sure. And I, and I 100% agree with you on that. But my point is that I think that people think that that we're just handed a cane when we're blind and then we're able to get, and no we're able to magically and, use it. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, yeah. I have clients who come to me for the first time, like, well, you know, I got a cane. Oh, where'd you get it? Amazon. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and I've been doing this and this and this with it. I'm like, mm, yeah, about that. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. But they, I think that I don't think that people realize the amount of, uh, rehabilitation and therapy and training that we have to go through to become, um, you know, adept hey, at using independent travelers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so believe me and I, you know, and I'm, I'm so believe me, I'm not saying that, uh, that all of a sudden they think that we're, you know, we're magical unicorns and, um, you know, we can solve all the world's problems, but definitely that I think that they don't, that there is this, um, misconception about 
what we have to learn and how we navigate the world and the training involved and the credit that O&M specialists should be getting because I don't think there are enough. I think there's certainly a shortage um, around the country because I know that that's why it takes so long for so many people to receive services because they're, you know, I, a big part of it is obviously money, but they're, you know, I, when you hear about, well, how many, like when, it, when you look at a city like Charlotte, how many O&M specialists are there serving um, the greater Charlotte area? That's a good question. Um, I want to say that I know of exactly two, me and one other. Wow. And so yeah. do you think that's part of the reason why people buy a cane from Amazon and so they can get, get the heck out of the house and go meet their friends well, for coffee? What they do is, I mean, they'll buy a cane on Amazon, they'll watch YouTube videos or TikTok videos of, of blind people using their canes and they'll imitate what they see or try to do what they see. Sometimes the results are pretty good and a lot of times they're not. And you know, for, for example, if they bought a cane that was the wrong measurement, yes. oh, I'm having a hard time with this. Yeah, I, I bet you are. The cane's only three feet tall. Uh, so yeah, I wish there were more of us, sure. In fact, I wish there were more blind ones, but hey. Yeah, we have the same problem in Canada with service as well. You know, And I think that's part of the problem, right? We have people who require service, who require the ability to have their independence back. Some people want it today. Others are, are willing to wait a little bit or a little more hesitant or timid. And so, like you said, they're watching YouTubes, they're watching TikTok, they're getting a cane from wherever, and they're going out on their merry way because we can't just sit and wait. And I give and I give folks who do that credit for trying because they're not sitting around waiting. They're by golly, they are trying something. And I will say that this stuff is harder on the folks who lose their vision as adults because when you're a kid you're getting O&M in school at least you should be uh, I had it for every one of the years I was in school wow. and when you age out of school when you graduate uh, O&M becomes a lot harder to come by you know you move to a new city oh you want some O&M yeah good luck with that a lot of the services are the same for adults mm-hmm yeah, and I don't think that matters where you are. So if I move to Yellowknife up in northern... Uh, oh, you'll get O&M probably once every month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm a Star Trek fan, and you have a town in Alberta. You have uh, Vulcan. I want to go to that. Yep. Yeah, that's right, Vulcan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we won't, we won't tell you about the town in Nova Scotia that we also have. But no, well, no tie to Star Trek, but... Oh, now you got me curious as to which one Liz, you're thinking of. Liz, Liz will Liz will giggle. Oh, oh are you talking about dildo? <laughs> or dildo or come by chance? Oh, I didn't. I didn't even know about oh that. Oh my god, those are both horrible. Yeah, there's come by chance in dildo, Nova Scotia. <laughs> I didn't even know about that. Okay, anyways, there's a, there's a few good ones out there. I think there's also screeching eagle or screaming eagle or something. Yeah, we, we've, we've got a we've got, we've got a few doozies. Uh, no, uh, so, so but I was just gonna to pitch in because um, as as sort of the the sighty of the group, um, what what I'm what what I didn't really realize I think when when I, you know, I'm watching blind people navigate an environment i didn't really think about how important that build environment can really have 
uh, on technique. Can you speak a little bit about that? And I'm talking about things like, you know, when, when you're doing what's called shorelining and stuff, if the build environment isn't built to sort of optimize that technique, it can really run into issues. And I, I mean, even right down to things like uh, lack of sidewalks, uh, lack of curb cuts, there's all these things that um, can really have an impact on uh, people who, you know, mobility. Um, can you speak a little bit about, about that and, and how that can pose a challenge? Sure. So two ways that I'm going to come at that. One, Charlotte is a very built city and we are struggling to have enough sidewalks. So lack of sidewalks and curb cuts is a problem that you can run into in the heart of this city of a million people. Second of all, I hike and I've taught hiking. Um, talk about the natural environment. Uh, and there are techniques for it. So the short answer to your question is you adapt your techniques to the environment at hand. If I have to walk in the street because there's no sidewalk, then I'm going to walk against oncoming traffic. Hopefully there's not very much of it. And I might be using what we call three-point touch to keep in touch with not only the street, the curb, and, and then what's on top of the curb, because maybe I'm looking for something. Um, and then I make a street crossing without a curb cut, which is to say, you know, I round the corner and I, you know, I'm, I'm, we call it indenting. It's our rural travel techniques. I've taught those in the heart of Charlotte to people who live in neighborhoods that simply don't have sidewalks or that might have one sidewalk on one block and then nobody built anymore. And that's a whole other issue. Uh, I've taught hiking lessons. You know, how do you, uh, obviously you're not necessarily going to shoreline on a, on a hiking trail. You're not even going to use the same cane tip. In fact, you may not even use a cane depending on how, how hard the trail is. You might use something else. So I think the key word in my answer to your question is adaptation. You know, we don't let the environment stop us. We simply adapt and we find the methods that keep us safe and allow us to keep moving efficiently. Well, speaking of hiking, uh, we interviewed your your buddy, Trevor Thomas. Ah, uh, yes. Um, a couple months back? Gosh, I'm, I'm losing track of space and time. Is that right? I think that's right. Yep, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Well, just don't lose track of space and time in the middle of the street. Anyway. Uh, I have, let me tell you, uh, in Charlotte, that is actually pretty easy to do. Uh, so I, you know, living in Charlotte and navigating the streets and having some usable site, um, I can attest to how treacherous some of the streets, the sidewalk situations are. And for people who are not familiar with Charlotte, it is an extremely green city where they they love their their trees. When I say green, I mean actually green, not green in terms of recycling, that kind of thing, but but foliage, green. And even in areas where there is a walkable sidewalk, good luck getting the city to trim back the, the trees and the brush so you can actually walk down some of these sidewalks, which, so there's a, there, so it's just like a, a, you know, layers and upon layers of, of mobility and accessibility issues in a city that they're trying to make it very walkable. And, and um, so Rob had shared with us a video and I actually saw this video when it was airing um, on WBTV where you were featured and talking about the, 
um, the, the transit issues and the accessibility issues for, for traveling in the city of Charlotte. So can you, can you just share a little bit about that for those who haven't seen that? Sure, uh, there were a couple of them. I think you're talking about the one that we did in the um, Oak Brook neighborhood. So I got a call from a reporter asking me, you know, can we talk about this transit issue? Because I had spoken to the city council at the public forum where you get three minutes to say what's on your mind. And apparently somebody was taking notes because I got the phone call. Brad, we'd like to do a story about what you were talking about, lack of bus stops and you know, poor sidewalks in the city. Is there somewhere we can walk around? So I thought about it and I called up Ira and I said, uh, here's a map of the city bus service. I wanna find places where it's not covered. There are transportation deserts in this city. So I think Ryan was saying he could get to anywhere in Vancouver he wanted to, not true in Charlotte. There are places the buses don't cover because the city has expanded so much. So I wanted to pick a neighborhood like that within the city limits and I did. And it was a neighborhood with poor sidewalking. So sidewalks would start, stop. Some of them would go all the way to the curb cut, some wouldn't. Sometimes you go all the way to the curb cut and you make a crossing only to find that there's nothing to pick up on the other side because there's no sidewalk over there. Oops. And forget walking in the street because the street was too busy. So having the sense of humor that I did, I gave the reporters an address and I said, meet me here and we'll start our conversation. The address I gave them was a mortuary, okay? And so we get there and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna, we're gonna illustrate the point that walking in this neighborhood is a dead end, pun intended. And so we're looking around and this mortuary is on the east side of a north-south street. So to our north, there's no sidewalk. To our south, there's no sidewalk. Across the street, there's a sidewalk. So I said to the reporter, how do you think we're gonna do this? How would I get over there if I needed to get over there? So I took her elbow and we went human guide. We jaywalked through traffic because the nearest crossing was a very long ways away and not, not really accessible. So we jaywalked to the sidewalk through traffic. And then we watched a mother with a stroller and small children make the same dash a few minutes later to illustrate the point that this isn't just a blind problem, this is a problem, period. Uh, so we walked around that neighborhood, what little of it we could walk around from the point we'd started at. And we just made the point that when the city tells a business you need to put in sidewalks and then makes the business pay for those sidewalks, the business is gonna put in as little sidewalk as they can get away with. And the result is gonna be a neighborhood that nobody can walk around. It's a very car centric neighborhood. Uh, there are places in this city where if you don't drive, you are out of luck. And that neighborhood is one such. Uh, most things on Independence Boulevard qualify too. Am I right, Liz? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody asked me one time, when's the safest time to cross Independence Boulevard? And I said, when you don't feel like living anymore. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, you, you guys would have to see Independence Boulevard to get the joke or well, just not so funny joker. I just can't imagine... Brad's talking about walking down a sidewalk and you cross the other side. There's nothing on the other side. Like 
did they run out of money? Like, why is there nothing on the other side? (laughs) Take a crossing, and and I'm describing a crossing that I actually did in this neighborhood. So, you know, I come up to the curb cut. There's a curb cut. There's a down ramp. There's truncated domes. There's everything I could possibly want, whatever, et cetera. I make the crossing to the other side at the right time. There's a curb. There's grass, weeds, nothing. There's, there's nothing to pick me up, nothing to follow. In fact, I'm not even so sure there was a curb over there now that I think about it. But yeah, there was nothing. And I said at the interview at the time, I said, you know, we have this expectation with the built environment that when you take off from a crossing point at an intersection, you naturally expect something to pick you up on the other side. Mm-hmm. A crossing, a step out of the street onto a sidewalk or into a parking lot. I mean, there's something there. You may not know what's there, but there's something there. And sometimes the truth is there's not. Mm-hmm. And the sidewalk will lit- literally just, just end in all random in all different random spots in, in the city and i i mean i moved here i moved to charlotte from new york city where it is just you know uh pavement central to walking around and trying to learn charlotte and then all of a sudden i'm like oh crap there there's just no more sidewalk <laughs> and the only alternative is just to turn back around so you've had that experience liz where like the street is maybe 150 feet away you're cruising down the sidewalk, boom, grass, no grass, no grass. And, I'm like, and, and, and you, and I'm, you just stand there and you, you scratch your head for a minute and you think, wait, how, and it just, I mean, it just goes from sidewalk to just grass and then you think without about notice, the street, but the street is very busy. So you're not going to risk your life. And you have to just turn around. Yeah. I mean, it's an environment that is built to the driver. If you don't drive, you are out of luck in some of our environments. Right. And I understand that. But these city planners, these engineers that are, are laying out the sidewalks, they don't just end at grass. Like who did the planning? A grade five student? So, like- <laughs> so what tends to happen, and this is my best understanding, I could be wrong, but I think I'm pretty square on the button with this. A lot of the sidewalks that are built in business areas are funded by the businesses or the developers. The city tells you, you must have sidewalk in front of your business per regulation. The city does not, or at least does not always, does not often contribute money to the building of said sidewalk. It's it's a business owner's or, or developer's expense. Right. And so they don't build all the way down the block because down the block doesn't encompass their business. They build what they have to and they stop. So the answer to your question is the city is not necessarily planning this stuff. The city is simply telling private entities, you've got to do it and they do it and they do as little as they have to. And uh, the other problem is that the city, you talk about city planning, the city is growing at a very, very rapid pace. There's new construction all the time. Nobody knows where the next building is going to be put up because we have you know, many, many, many hundreds or thousands of people flocking to the city. They need places to live. Sure. Um, new businesses are going up and there are developments here that weren't here, say, 10 years ago. Yeah, and that's happening all over the place. So is this advancement or is this policy about to change with this whole 2040 plan that was 
talked about in the news articles as well? I don't know. I don't know what, I mean, this is just my personal opinion, Sure. but the city politicians here, like everywhere else can talk a great game. What will actually happen five years from now, 10 years from now? I don't know. So you're not seeing changes now? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Advocating for not seeing yet. Right. Now, Liz, you, you live here. Do you have a different perspective? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go outside. It's dangerous. Don't yeah. cross Independence Boulevard. Independently. Independently. <laughs> well, and so that, but that must be really incredibly frustrating for you as, a, as an instructor, as an O&M instructor, because there, there must be just literally cases where you have a client and you're, you know, the best thing that you can suggest for them is don't go that way. I, I have clients who cannot really leave their driveways because there are no sidewalks and there's nowhere for them to go. Like the nearest convenience store might be a mile away. And some of my clients, that would be a stretch. I, I work a great deal with uh, senior citizens. Sometimes the client lives in a house. I'm thinking of a particular client I had. He lived in a house with some very busy intersections near him that were not appropriate for a beginner. So sometimes when those things happen, I bring them to me at the center, at the agency, and I train them on our streets because I can make a progression from a very easy, quiet street to a slightly less quiet street. I can find a traffic light that I know is civilized. I can, you know, I can build them up with Mm -hmm. their confidence and their skills. And then I can say, okay, now let's go, now let's go back home and look at that intersection near you. That's kind of like this. Now we're back home in their environment, working their intersections. But yeah, some, some of my clients just have nowhere that they could walk to because of where they live. No, and no bus stop, no buses to help them get there. No PR transit either because no bus stop. Brad, have you faced any, any barriers in your training to become an O&M specialist? Less than some. My professors admitted very frankly that they didn't know how we were going to do it, but my um, master professor for O&M was a retired army cavalry colonel. So uh, he just said, you know, we're going to find a way to do this. And we did. The biggest barrier was lack of knowledge. Uh, All of the textbooks for O&M, of course, are written assuming a cited student candidate. So the advantage that I had over my sighted classmates was I had all the skills. I didn't need to be taught how to use a cane or how to cross the street. Um, But all the teaching methods I had to just about throw out the window. So I borrowed what techniques I could from what few blind O&Ms I could get to talk to me on the phone and the rest. uh, I invented or reinvented for myself during my internship. So, but I was really fortunate in that I had people, especially my internship supervisor, who could have the wisdom to step back, you know, give me the goal, be like, this is what he needs to, you know, say my first, first few lessons, this is what the guy needs to work on. 
you figure out how to do it. And they would step back and they would let me do it and they would let me know if it worked. And if it didn't, they would say, okay, this didn't work. So this is where this is where it broke down, Brad. What, you know, so you can you can have that information. This is what I saw. Never once did they say, this, did, this isn't working because you're blind. They never said that. They just said, this is, this, is, this is what did not happen. This is what did. So you can take that into account for next week's lesson. And I would, and I would think about, oh, the client wasn't doing what I told her to do. How can I address that? And then I would come back and address it and you know, rework it and make sure the client was doing what I asked him to do. And then my super would say, yes, that was effective. The client was doing what you told them to do. So I consider myself very fortunate. I don't want to necessarily dwell on this topic too, too much, but I'm going to bring it up. So over the last two years, we all have been dealing with this COVID pandemic. How has O&M changed for you? Essentially, it hasn't. Um, now different people will give you different opinions about virtual instruction. Um, I do not find teaching skills of O&M by virtual to be very doable. And I can tell you that the one experience I had, my clients didn't either. So during my internship, my internship for O&M took place during the second major wave of COVID. Mm -hmm. We shut down face-to-face -face service on Halloween of 2020 we resumed in January. So my super and I were willing to think through some virtual methods, uh, but my client's response was uniformly, uh, just give me a call back when you're open again. Right. So I think you can do some theoretical discussion and some skill, you know, some conversations about the skills, but you can't, with O&M, you, you can't really demonstrate mastery no. until I can see you actually do it. Yeah. So, uh, and I got to Charlotte in summer of 21, when the biggest COVID waves were largely behind us. And so we have been on a face-to-face -face model since I've been here. Right. And... You know, sometimes I, uh, you know, in the early days, we would really be masked up and wearing gloves. And, you know, we still have a COVID protocol. You know, we make sure that the client is, COVID, you know, not symptomatic or mm -hmm. you know, hasn't tested positive. But um, I would say other than some of the common sense precautions, COVID hasn't really affected the way I teach o and Okay. Yeah. So to, to be 100% transparent, I had no idea that there were any uh, low vision or blind O&M instructors out there because all, all of my instructors had always been cited. And I always, I always thought that it was a, a profession that you needed to be cited to sort of, you know, like we were saying, watch for technique and I guess spot danger, especially in that in that learning process. So, I mean, this is definitely uh, no pun intended, very eye opening for me. <laughs> so, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, because you probably know more than I do. But was or is Daniel Kish an ONM instructor as well? As far as I know, he still is. I yes. thought he was too. Yeah. So you're you're the second one I know of. <laughs> Well, but, I, will, I will mention three more in that case. 
Um, there is another blind O&Mer working out in the Asheville area. Um, at the AER conference, I met a lady who is totally blind and is, is an itinerant instructor for the state of Wyoming. Wow. Uh, and there is another totally blind O&M, at least I'm pretty sure he's totally blind, working um, in Alabama. And okay. I will meet him in the next couple of days. So yeah, there, I, I am really happy when I find these folks. I also know a couple of totally blind who are working for, um, who have the alternative certification, the uh, NOMC certification. That's the one that the NFB uh, kind of, collaborated and came up with. So yeah, I, I know of about five. Right. That's great. So you had mentioned early on about echolocation and, you know, how you can tell the you have with spatial awareness, you know, where there's an obstacle slash building and an open area. What are your thoughts on that? I'll just say it echolocation like Dan Kish uses with the clicks and the snaps and the you know, is that a tool that's so, used? So I haven't gotten to hang out with Dan Kish, sure. mm -hmm. and I want to be careful with what I say because I don't want to misrepresent him or his. No, but, and I guess what you know, just to clarify, are the, when you went through the program, are they teaching those techniques? We learn about echolocation, okay. but we don't walk. You know, we don't teach. You know, we don't walk around snapping our fingers or okay that's just not what we do now it is true that if i'm walking down a city block my footsteps and my cane taps if i'm using two-point touch will create active yes feedback from the environment and i can listen to that and i yeah. can listen for the end of a building and i have taught clients to do that but what I teach them, I'm very specific to teach them that uh, this echolocation is one tool and is no replacement for your foundational sure. skills. But yeah, if you can hear that the building line has ended and then you take a few steps and it picks up again, uh, yeah, that probably was an alleyway. And if you're walking along the building, you're kind of near the building line and you, you hear a little echoey sound and then the building line picks up again and you hear another echoey sound and the building line picks up again. Yeah, those probably were alcove entrances. Absolutely. And you can learn to hear that. Yeah, and it's just like just like ear training in music. You know, you can learn to hear notes, pitches, you know, same yeah. thing, right? If you go through enough of the training and the techniques. So if, you, if you focus on it enough, you will definitely pick it up. Now, yeah. there are some people who can hear crazy things with echolocation that I will never be able to hear, but I... Uh, I found it neat when I really started to learn what it was. And so uh, I can hear, if I'm walking up Louise, which is where my agency is, I can usually hear because of my cane taps and footsteps, I can, or my guide dog and my footsteps, I can hear the cars that are street parked along the street uh, because I hear the sound waves bending around the cars. Like, oh, right. I bet that's a car. You know, it might be a truck, but I'll, I'll call it a car. I'm like, oh, there's a car there. Yeah. It's kind of cool, but huh. you know, I'm not going to stake my life on it. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, just curious. I went to too many loud concerts in the 90s to do echolocation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do it. I, I might, but not something I've ever tried. I've never been, I've never been taught or 
you know, I never went through that kind of training at mm -hmm. all. So yeah. I, I don't even know what to listen for. So, right. See, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to buy you uh, some lunch, Brad. So we okay. could talk about this echolocation. You could tell me how crappy my ears are. Well, if, you, if you give me an hour, I can show you a couple of things. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you more than an hour. <laughs> I better bring my credit card, man. <laughs> yeah, nothing's free in this world, lady. Yeah, <laughs> believe me, I know. He can take you to a dead end street. I know. <laughs> He'll leave me on Independence Boulevard. <laughs> and I'm screwed. That's right. Find your way back, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Brad, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and taking some time and talking with us. Uh, listen, best of luck with, uh, with the, with, with, it sounds like you have your hands full with the, with the whole Charlotte, uh, city. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they, they take care of some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Now who, who was doing the editing? That's Rob. Uh, That's me. Best of luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we say that every week, but we should anyway. <laughs> it's a labor of love. What can I say? All right. Well, listen, yeah. Best of luck and uh, absolutely come back on again uh, anytime. I'd love to. Great. Have a good night. All right. Take care, Brad. Wow. That's shocking. I, I can't believe that. <laughs> I'd like to know uh, who the city planner is that we're going to build a sidewalk up to here and then just well, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but if you listen to Brad, like it to it does totally make sense, and it, you know it makes me wonder about like I don't know how things work here in Canada. I don't uh, know I don't how either. city bylaws and stuff though. But when you when you do put it on the businesses, yeah, what, yeah, it, what do you it expect? Totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you expect? Yeah, um, it's like you're trying to build an accessible network with hundreds of different um, businesses, usually probably small to medium sized businesses. Um, to, to build something that's going to be uh, consistent and well, I mean, even just having it consistent would be a victory from the sounds of it, um, let alone accessible. Um, you're going to run into problems like that. So it's no wonder that it's all patchwork like that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And what, what's so, what's so funny is that in these spots throughout the city where the sidewalk just ends, you can see like a dirt path through the weeds that people just keep walking anyway because people have to still get from point a to point z whether there's sidewalk there or not and then as as a blind person you have to decide uh how well can i navigate through this you know Crazy. but there is but in some cases you just yeah just follow the dirt path because that's where everyone else has been, has been right. going yeah wow. it's like i i bullshit you not with that it's a real thing. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. But it just goes to show you that, you know, it, the build environment, the city, it has such a huge impact on just, you know, how people with disabilities can can get out and about. Because, you know, and we're talking about blindness and O&M, but, you know, think about somebody in a chair as well. Well, even Brad said, you know, that woman with the stroller having to jaywalk through this traffic to get to the other side of the street too, right? You know, like that's just ludicrous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of people that I'm sure that are impacted by things like that. So, yeah. and it's, you know, it's 2022. I mean, good Lord, uh, figure, figure your stuff out uh, there, Charlotte. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you something that's really amusing about Charlotte, Charlotte is that, I, I don't know, in Canada has, has the, the electric scooter craze hit you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So Charlotte is a very big, has become a big scooter city. And I swear that they, they'll probably start building sidewalks out further so that the scooters can go by, not so much for people who have mobility issues. But I could see that being the, uh, the motivation. Sure. Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, one of our cities, I think it was, I think it was Toronto actually, uh, but it could be Ottawa. I, I, can't, I can't recall, but I mean, they're, they're actually looking to try to produce bylaws um, for electric scooters for the very reason that they're very quiet and oh, yeah, the yeah. people for, for um, visually impaired people who are navigating the sidewalk, they can't hear them. And so it was creating some real problems uh, in terms of like being really dangerous. And in fact, there was kind of a push to, to actually outlaw some of the um, electric scooters and different devices. I mean, there are electric unicycles. There's all kinds of stuff that are, that are um, electric bikes. I, there's all kinds of stuff that, that are out there right now that um, it's kind of new ground in terms of uh, how those will fit in with navigating and and some of them can be actually really dangerous for for the blind same thing with electric cars right like they can be very quiet and that can real, really pose a problem to uh people who are used to navigating around and being able to hear them yeah there's a push on that i believe right now because there are all the car manufacturers have their own systems some of them have a little whirring sound some don't some have a different sound that the electric cars emit there is no standard so GM can do something different than Volvo, who can do something different than, you know, ABC, which to us as blind people out traveling, we're going to hear chirps and baubles and werbles and tweets. And we're not going to know if it's audible signals or if it's a car or like we, there needs to be standards. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing, but anyway, you were going to say something, Liz, I jumped in. No, 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 I'm. I'm just... rant. Let her go. <laughs> Let loose. Well, I mean, they can't even get their, their act together with deciding on sounds and getting the audible crosswalks mm -hmm. in any kind of uh, alignment. Well, so, I mean, if, if right. city, if city agencies can't even get, get, get their, their act together with that, I mean, how are, how are we going to get private, you know, uh, yeah. you know large companies, corporations, for-profit organizations to, you know, give a crap about it. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that's really misguided. I think that that's just a, you know, a city. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know how many other cities in the States are like that in, in terms of that policy. But I think that that, you know, just have putting up the onus on businesses to build out sidewalks uh, is just asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think that you're going to have the same result no matter where you do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so, just, it's got to be something that the city runs. Yeah. Yeah. So can I, can I share with you guys my favorite O&M story? Sure. During my, uh, my trials and tribulations of learning how to use a cane. Yeah. So, so because I'm, I'm legally blind, I will always use my site whenever I, at any, at every, in any opportunity that I can, but have to be extremely skilled at using my cane because there are plenty of times like traveling at night or bad conditions or a bad eye day that um, I am going to be 100% reliant on my, on my cane skills. But so one of the tests from my O&M instructor back in the day was she blindfolded me. She's like, you're not using any, any site at all. You're going to just 
go at it. And I had to walk two miles with my cane. And my, my reward was getting to a Dunkin' Donuts. I had to go through, I mean, it was a long walk. It was like crossing major intersections. It was going, you know, cutting through a university. It was like, it was a, when I got to Dunkin' Donuts, I was dripping in sweat mm-hmm. because I was so stressed. Yeah. <laughs> It, is it was stressful. a very, yeah, it was a very stressful exercise, but, but I did it and I was, you know, and then I had to do it again, going home, <laughs> but wow. um, yeah. So, um, so it, it's, it's not easy. It's not it's, easy. It's a, it's a hard, it's a very, it's a, it's a hard skill, especially when you, because when you're learning it, there are so many things that you're thinking about and trying to concentrate on until it becomes a little more, until it becomes second nature in a way. I was terrified. I was terrified. I have no sight and I lost it instantaneously. Mm -hmm. And when you start your orientation mobility and you walk out, you know, the door, well, you get the cane, you're ready to take your first steps out the door and walk down the street. You are so hesitant. You are so tense. You know, your cane hits a car. What was that? What did I hit? What, you know, you start to panic and you can't be relaxed all the time, like most people, well, everyone who's sighted just casually strolling down the street, mm-hmm. you know, I think, and again, I don't travel independently here. So Liz, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but do you, when you are walking down the street or through a mall, are you actually relaxed or are you a little, little tense, a little on edge, just waiting for that impact? No, I think that you're always on guard. I feel the tiniest little thing brush up against me. I flinch because I don't know if I'm going to walk into something that's going to hurt me or right. if it's just a, like a, just a gentle, like, I mean, gosh, who knows what it is, but your, your instinct is always, if anything touches you or yeah. if your cane comes Reality. into contact with something, you, sometimes I stop short. Sometimes I flinch Yeah. sometimes. I mean, yeah. Okay. So there's always, yeah, yeah. It is that, that, that constant, yeah. creating that invisible field around you. That, it's tiring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tiring just yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I'm completely impressed with the fact that, you know, that, that, that Brad not only has to exist in our world, but then also has the, the skill set um, to be able to, to teach those skills and, uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would have had, I would have gone with a, with a blind instructor had that been available to me. Sure. But I yeah, mean, I think that, I think that in a way you could say that it makes sense. I mean, who else has that perspective uh, than somebody else who has to use those O&M skills on a daily basis themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that probably makes more sense to have more of them. I mean, cause a sighted person doesn't, there's, there's aspects of O&M and navigating your space that you don't share. Well, and I'd be willing to say too, that even the best O&M instructor who's sighted misses things, mm-hmm. right? You just, yep. you slightly turn your head for a second, boom, you walk into a branch that you didn't see, you yeah. know, it doesn't have to be anything substantial. It's just a, a whoops, just a fleeting little moment and they've missed it. Right. And you could, you could get hurt and it doesn't happen often, of course, thankfully, but there is that possibility. Well, it's also the the difference between teaching something on a theoretical basis. You you know, the theories, you know, the skills and you can teach it as opposed to teaching it from that practical 
right point of yeah. view because you use it every day yeah 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 so clear your branches people <laughs> seriously finish your goddamn sidewalks <laughs> but come in on, sidewalks come on charlotte get the trim the damn trees back god yeah, we have a stretch of sidewalk just out from our townhouse complex here that my wife and i have to walk and she'll say okay duck and we start ducking and ducking and ducking and ducking and it's literally probably 25 30 second walk where i have to walk crouched <laughs> you know and thank thank goodness you know of course i would know where it was if i had the onm training but yeah if you know if i didn't have my wife with me and i was out for a walk boom you know down you go so kudos well, to onm instructors we kudos, love you yeah kudos to those who are independent travelers we love you too kudos right. to guide dogs we love dogs. Kudos so. to my dinner that I want to get to. So <laughs> enough with the kudos. <laughs> hey, you know uh, who else we can probably remove from the list of potential sponsors for the show is probably the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I don't think is going to uh, be joining the show anytime soon. Well, it doesn't sound too interested in accessibility either anyway. It's not a hurricane, your power's going out, or it's a heat wave, you know, working sidewalks. Sounds like a shithole. No offense. You know what? The 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 city lost. Go Hornets. The, <laughs> so somehow Charlotte just became a booming city, and people were moving here because, uh, comparatively, the 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 real estate prices were fantastic, and you didn't have harsh winters, and it it was a you know one of those cities that was like probably like you know written in up in magazines and articles like, oh, Charlotte is the, you know, the, one of the best cities to move to. And if you're coming from like a, you know, an expensive high tax city and it just grew way too fast. And the city council and, and the, you know, on the, all the people that run the city and, and do all the planning and everything, they were all like small, small city minded right. and did not really design the city from the beginning. Um, to, to, to be, to grow at the, at the volume that it has. So they, they just can't, they just can't keep up. So I'm not, believe me, I'm not making, ex, giving them a pass. They need to get their act together. Yeah. No, I got it. They will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. We'll maybe get one of the, we contact the city council and see if one of them wants to come on the show and do a counterpoint. Well, they do have a 2040 that. plan that they're supposedly working on and that has passed. So what's, what's that? I don't remember. It was in that news story that you'd sent to us today. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So I'll have to go back. You should read my own then, stories. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Just send them to you so you guys can read them. I don't read them. Well, I do the same thing. Just Google something and so, send you guys a link. Oh, they'll do the research. There you go. Bam. Go. Rob's a host. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is super interesting. I found it really good. You guys should totally read it. <laughs> right. Uh, All right. All right, let's up. get out of here. All right. Uh, hey, Liz. Yeah. Hey, Rob. Do, uh, do you still remember where people can find us? <laughs> um, if memory serves me right, they can find us at uh, atbanter.com. We changed it while you were gone. Oh, geez, you scared me. No, <laughs> uh, yeah. Not, they... not, 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 it's com. where is Liz Malone.com? 
<laughs> Where in the hell is this <laughs> Should have started that uh, hashtag. Campaign. I should have. That's right. <laughs> yeah. See, the good ideas come out on the show. <laughs> we, uh, thank God you wait record to, this. Wait till you hear about my next my next trek. Oh. Oh, really? Where? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we'll save that. We'll yeah. tickle right. the audience with a Teaser. feather about that. And you have to tune in next week when Liz drops another cryptic hint. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yes, uh, atbanter.com. Well done. Yeah, that's right. They can... <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened there? Mr. Magoo showed up. Um, they can also drop us an email if they so desire at uh, cowbell at uh, lizmalone.com. Stop it. You want, I thought you wanted to get out of here. All right. Sorry. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at uh, atbanter.com. And they can find us on Twitter and Facebook and wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's right. Please rate us, like us, subscribe. Please like us. We need friends. <laughs> Please follow us. You got a friend. Maybe we don't big enough. Maybe that's our problem. Well, yeah. Every Maybe other show really says, "Please like and subscribe. Leave us a rating on iTunes." Yeah, I always cringe at that though. I, I know. Like, you guys sound desperate. Yeah. So just yeah, I don't know. I've never. I, That's I never right. Don't like us. Don't rate us. Don't listen if you don't want. Even, yeah, fine. don't even <laughs> listen. We don't need you. Why are you even listening now? <laughs> hey, we could we we could do like the uh, the people on Amazon be like, yeah, if you you just bought this and uh, if you uh, give us a five star rating, I'm gonna send you a, a twenty dollar Amazon gift card. Twenty. Yeah, I got offered. I got offered a twenty dollar gift card for giving this vendor five stars on product i purchased really i was like huh. i'm work? like i'm like well, wow that that the thing i bought was 30 bucks i like i can recoup i guess if it's <laughs> a gonna... product that you actually are willing to give an honest rating on i'd be okay with that but that seems a little skeevy to me to get fake ratings for, for companies i think it well i mean it's it's 20 bucks i mean god yeah people are gonna i, oh, I absolutely I, people I didn't do, do it because i'm not i'm not I'm very, I, I normally only do ratings when I feel really passionate yeah. one way or the other, not just for like down the middle. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to forego the $20, but all right. I, I, I had, you know what? I smell a rat. I don't, I don't think she did. She took all. the 20 bucks. Protesting way too much. <laughs> That's what she's drinking right now. It's on the she's, table in front of her. Yeah. I think she, I think she totally did. I think, I think her gift cards in the mail. It's a lot, actually, it's a lot of work too, because they're like, you got to do the, you got to post the review and then you got to take a screenshot and then you have to like send this with this and this and this. I was like, oh my God, this is like a lot of work wow. for this $20. Wow. So yeah, actually that's well, a good point. That would, yeah. that would turn me off too. I was, I was, yeah. I was definitely like, oh my God, you guys are, you know, but, but believe me, there are plenty of people who I'm sure were like, yeah, hell I'll do Absolutely. all these True. A to Z I mean, steps and get $20. Yep. So. Yeah, I could see it. I, I'd be tempted to do it. So there, you, there you go. Rate and like and follow us and Ryan will send you $20. <laughs> okay. See? There you go. Try it. You never work. You never know. Send an email to Ryan at, at lizmalone.com. Lizmalone.com <laughs> with your address. And I am not giving out $20. <laughs> so if you guys want, if people want to email me, they can, but you are not getting $20. That's right. So <laughs> no, don't care. <laughs> uh, well, I'll cut that out.
it. Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> I'm I don't know that's there. right. It is. Oh, it's right. it? Awesome. Yes. He's awesome. so proud of Love himself. <laughs> I am Love proud her. of myself. I'm a strutting peacock <laughs> now, baby. Strutting around my man cave. Oh, Lord. Mm. I can't wait to all the all the spam mail I'm going to get now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Rob will edit it out. It's all yeah, good. <laughs> Just be great. glad this wasn't the Although live be episode because I keep telling, oh, you weren't here. I don't think you were here, but I was telling these guys that one, one of these days, I'm just going to go live and not even tell you guys that we're live. Yeah. Because I want to do a live show. It's funny. That would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'll Annie. be when, I guess it'll be when we don't have a guest. Yeah, probably. Oh, maybe. You never know. Maybe. I don't know. Or he's gonna, or he's gonna, you know, be in cahoots with the guests. Like, yeah, right. that's just it. Like, we can go Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and the guest just shows up, and the um, audience shows up. The way we go. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, I think that is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks, of course, to Brad for joining us, and we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778 778- 847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.